Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Xander. Xander's already, we've had a ton of fun before we started this. So Xander, give everybody kind of the 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Michelle. My name is Xander Sprague. I am a uh, internationally acclaimed speaker and author, uh, and I, I am all about epic. Epic begins with one step forward. And, you know, I'm so excited about sharing this message and helping other people to discover what their epic is. And, you know, looking forward to our conversation, hopefully sharing some things that your audience is going to go, absolutely, that's it. I need to do this. Oh, that's fantastic. And I have been a huge fan of the word epic for a very long time. <laughs> like, how do you just you know everything that I'm doing? I'm like, oh my God, that's epic. That's awesome. This is great. Because I have a firm belief that if life's not a ton of fun, then you're doing something wrong. And Absolutely. I show people how to do that. So how do you show people how to have an epic life? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I have a book coming out in February called Epic Begins with One Step Forward, How to Plan, Achieve, and Enjoy the Journey. And I wanted to share with everyone what they can do to grab their own epic, to step into their epic today. And, you know, there's a whole kind of blueprint in there to help you figure out what you want to do and how to do it. Nice. I love that. So how did you get into all of this? Well, you know, it's interesting, Michelle. It's always a story with me. I have to say, I love stories. So just, I'll I'll make it super quick. Um, I grew up loving to be in front of people, although I didn't really kind of know it when I was younger because cognitively you, you, you don't know that, but I spent over 20 years as a technical instructor, teaching people how to use software and stuff like that. And uh, when I got laid off for the umpteenth billion time, because, well, I live in the Silicon Valley and, you know, you, you get a job, company looks great and all of a sudden it gets bought out or, or whatever, doesn't matter. Uh, I decided that, I, you know, why am I teaching other people's stuff when I have so much stuff that I want to be sharing? So, so I started out on that. Um, for over 15 years, I've been talking about sibling loss and how to get through that and help raise awareness for sibling survivors. Um, but as I was talking with uh, families and stuff like that, I kept get, getting asked this question, which was uh, parents would say, hey, I've lost a, a daughter or son, but I have other children. And I don't see them, you know, kind of, I don't see them grieving. And I thought, huh, that's a problem. So I wrote a book about that. That's coming out late in 2020. Uh, And I went to graduate school because I needed a master's degree to be a licensed mental health professional to help other mental health professionals. I get out of 
I, I finish up my hours for my licensing in February of 2020. Had all these big plans. I'm going to go out. I'm going to speak and, and do all this stuff. Know what happened in March? We had to stay home. That's right, the pandemic. Well, all, all of a sudden, all those plans went out the door. So as I'm sitting in my apartment, I had this idea. Epic begins with one step forward. I was like, yeah, absolutely. There's so many things in my life that I wanted to do. And it all began with just that, that one step. And I decided to write a book to help other people do that. That is awesome. I love that. And it, it starts off with kind of a heavy heart. So give us the story behind that, because clearly there's one back there. Sure. Um, actually, um, today happens to be the 25th angel anniversary of my sister's death. Um, and- uh, Happy birthday, sister, sorry. Well, it, it, not happy birthday. It's actually the day that, the day that she died. Happy angel anniversary. But- There you go. Um, what, um, I mean, I talk about it all the time. What happened is um, my sister was a second year law student at um, John Marshall Law School, which is now uh, University of Illinois Chicago Law School. Um, she was in her apartment, a maintenance worker let himself in, we think to do a petty theft. She happened to be there because it was exam period. Uh, he ended up killing her and he jumped out her fourth floor window to a second floor roof where he broke his ankle, the police had him. It was never a question of who did this. Uh, 10 days later, uh, he hung himself in the Cook County prison. So my family was spared what would have been a very public trial um, because um, at that time, my father was a sitting district court judge in Massachusetts. So judge's daughter gets killed and this this man happened to have spent eight of the prior 10 years in Joliet State Prison, had a four page rap sheet. So uh, I'm sure that you can see uh, that's the kind of story that is sensational and, and TV would like. But we oh, were brutal. spared, luckily we were spared all of that, having to go through that, see pictures, worry about the, the the trial and stuff. And I can say that, you know, with my father being a judge, I fully understood the um, vagaries and the twists and turns that the judicial system has. Um, even when you think everything is right there, all the evidence is there, it, 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 how, how could you not convict this person? It happens. Um, but after that, I kind of. I, I had goes this, out to you. I just got to say that's oh, that's brutal. You. And it goes out to anybody that's ever experienced that. I, I can't relate. Um, but my heart goes out to you. Thank you. Um, and then uh, it was interesting, probably about. Uh, I don't know. Five years after uh, Lucy was killed, uh, I was having coffee with a friend of mine uh, who had just lost her brother. And I asked how she was. And she said, you know, I was, I was at Barnes and Noble. Uh, for your younger listeners, that's a bookstore. It's a place where you go to buy books. It's, you actually physically go in paper. and they actually have paper and, and stuff Made like out of that. trees. 
and had trees back then. <laughs> anyway, um, the uh, uh, she said, it's funny, there were lots of books on loss of a parent, loss of a child, loss of a pet, but there was really nothing on loss of a sibling. And as I was walking away, I said, gee, uh, I should, I know that, I should write a book about that. Now, the important thing to understand, Michelle, is I, I don't see myself as a writer at all. Uh, in fact, I, I really despise writing. I love talking. So I sat down to try and write this book and it was, it was horrible. I couldn't get anything done. But then, like any good sort of entrepreneur, I said, what are my strengths? My strength is talking. So I dictated the book, had it transcribed, then I had something to work with. Um, funny thing uh, that happened there was I was done with the book and sat on it for five years because I was afraid to put it out because I'm not a writer and people aren't going to like it. But I oh. finally got tired of hearing myself, oh, I'm coming out with a book because truth be told, I was no more coming out with the book than flying to the moon because I wasn't doing anything to get the book out. It's one thing to say, oh, it's, you know, it's an editing or it's whatever, it takes time. But I wasn't doing any of that. So I decided I wasn't going to be that person 20 years later saying I'm coming out with a book. So I got the book out. Um, for the first year when people told me that they enjoyed the book, they found it helpful. Inside the internal voice, that committee that we all have in our head, that tends to be the meanest people in our life, mm -hmm. right in here. And I'm like, really? You liked it? It, it was helpful? Terrible. Gosh. So I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time uh, trying to raise the awareness for sibling survivors. Um, my experience was I'm originally from Boston. I was living in Boston at the time. Uh, people would see me on the street. They knew my parents. They'd ask how my parents were. It's a logical question, but no one asked how I was. Here's a funny thing. Our longest relationship in our life is with our siblings. It's not our parents, it's not our husband or wife, it's our siblings. Our siblings know us better than we know ourselves. And as my friend, Dr. Heidi Horsley says, when you lose a sibling, you lose your past, your present, and also your future. That's harsh. So how do you deal with that? Well, I, you know, I choose a positive pathway. I keep in mind that every day I have a choice of whether I want to talk about Lucy, whether I want to remember her or not. And there is so much power in choice. And we all have so much choice in our life. Um, and I think often we, we sort of forget that we have choice. Now, look, I'm, the, I'm not going to be here, you know, all sunshine and rainbows and going, you always have a great choice. No, sometimes we have a choice between bad and worse, but there is some power to say, I actually am making a decision. I'm choosing, even though I wish I had another option, I'm mm -hmm. choosing this. Well, and I have a very twisted perception on emotions and things. And to me, even sadness, um, hurt, pain is, is, part of the rainbow of emotions that we go through as human beings. 
you can't, you can't deny that there's red or purple <laughs> and you can't deny that there's pain and suffering as well as happiness. And it's well, just part of being, having that, this human experience. And, and how would we know what happiness is if we never experienced the antithesis of that sadness? Yeah. We wouldn't. And we wouldn't know the benefit of it. And without feeling those kind of negative feelings and being able to pull ourselves up and out of them, we don't get that sense of satisfaction that, hey, I've completed something. Absolutely. Right? Some of the most exuberating experiences I've ever had in my life was because I was so terrified of what it was about to come up in a few seconds. Like Absolutely. jumping out of that airplane was not exciting and fun for the first few minutes. <laughs> oh, come on, Michelle. I've gone <laughs> skydiving and, and frankly, the most exhilarating part was that that awesome lesson in physics. <laughs> no, but honestly, no, I, I went, I, I did a tandem jump. Was that surface college. tension or was and that it, uh, right, free no, <laughs> no, it's got to do with like every, every, I think every person who takes physics honestly should go on a skydiving lesson because you learn so much about physics. So first of all, um, the human eye only has depth perception to about a thousand feet and, and not even that. So when I jumped out of a plane at 10,000 feet, I only felt like I was falling for about the first half second. Why? Because falling is a visually stimulated sensation. When I didn't have that anymore, I didn't feel like I was falling because there was so much space that I couldn't, I couldn't tell. Until you get, you jump out of a perfectly good airplane, you don't, you, I can explain that to you, but until you do it, you don't actually realize that you don't feel like you're falling. Wow, uh, I did not jump from that high, so I have not had that experience. <laughs> I, I got to do a 30 second free fall. It was awesome. I learned all about uh, wind resistance and stuff that, that just putting your hand down will rotate. Like you have, like you kind of have a, a pencil in your belly button and you're just rotating <laughs> on that axis. Uh, I learned that uh, now I'm I'm older and we used to be able to do this. Used to be able to drive down the street, didn't have seatbelts on, and we're hanging out the window. Put, you put your hand out. Imagine your whole body's that way. It's awesome. Uh, I also discovered that um, I, I started. I had a moment of freak out because when before we jumped, I saw the landing zone, and then I'm doing 120 miles an hour. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't see the landing zone. I totally forgot that once you pull the chute, you slow down to about 25 miles an hour. I had five minutes to see the landing zone. All of those pictures that you see the video where the people are falling and then someone pulls the chute, you see them shoot up. The reason they shoot up is they decelerated and the person who's filming is still, it's still going at 120 miles an hour. Kind of makes sense, but I didn't know that until I saw, I saw that whole thing happen. That is awesome. I'm sorry. I, I went on way too long about that. But anyway. It's all good. Super fun. So tell us more about Epic Starts with One Step Forward. How, well, what do we do with that? How does it work? Well, you know, I, I think all of us have epic dreams, things that we want to do. And I'm not here to define what people's epic dreams are. Mine is mine. Yours is yours. Michelle. We won't push you out of the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> but, but some people, uh, maybe their epic dream is to go skydiving, or it's to travel to a country, or it's 
to uh, can go back to school, get a degree. Uh, it could be changing the way that they eat or exercising more or starting a new career or whatever you, you, you dream of doing. We all have multiple epic dreams. And you know, I just want to, when I came up with epic, I thought, what does epic, like, what does that mean to me? And for me, epic stands for every pilgrimage includes commitment. And I thought about that. I'm not a particularly religious person. I know pilgrimage sounds, you know, very secular. Um, but I am on a pilgrimage. I really am. I, I, I have a destination that for me is very sacred. I want to share my message. I want to be on a stage in front of thousands of people. I want to help as many people as I can have an incredible life. And it does take commitment. We can't get anywhere without commitment. You are a successful business owner. That didn't come just because you're like, well, yeah, I think I'd like to own my own business. And oh, hey, look, it's doing well. It, there's commitment there. There's work. And I think that's what people forget. And they think about their epic. And they go, oh my God, there's so much work. Yeah, and yeah, there is. However, it's not nearly as hard as people think that it is. If we, it, it, people like structure. They say they don't, but they really do. We all feel much more comfortable. It's psychological. If we know what's going to happen, we know what, where we're going, it's so much easier. So I have tons of analogies. So I'm sorry to your audience. There's going to be a whole bunch of analogies here. But here, this is one. I, I got a question for you, Michelle. When you drive to the supermarket, are you stressed in any way about how to get to the supermarket? No. Why? Usually. Usually because I know where it is. I'll yeah, you that. know where it is. So so there's some structure there. I gotta get in my car, I gotta go here, I gotta take a left, I gotta take a right, I gotta, you know, and you don't even think about it. But there's some comfort in going, I know how to get to the store. It's not like we get in the car and say, Well, I gotta go to the supermarket, and I'm just gonna take a bunch of random turns. Hopefully I'll get there. <laughs> It's felt like that. <laughs> but when you think about going someplace new, there's a little of the unknown. So there's perhaps a little more uh, stress about uh, where do I have to turn? Um, again, I, I hate to date myself, but I didn't grow up with a voice telling me to take a left and a right and look for this street or whatever. And in what? fact, I I grew up in New England where we have myopically small signs that are not lit at night that usually have trees over them and you're driving down a street looking you know, like, like sort of quickly glancing at a piece of paper going, I'm looking for Elm Street. And you see Elm Street as it's going by because you couldn't see it before because you can't see it until you're about 20 feet away from it. But hey, speed limit's 35 and I'm going by this at 35 miles an hour. Yep, absolutely. And it's super fun doing it in a country where the words aren't in the same alphabet that you're used to. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's, that's even better. Um, 
I have no idea where, where I'm going. But now, now we kind of have voices that tell us where to go. And it, 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 there's a little less. I, I have a lot of voices telling me where to go. Exactly. <laughs> um, some of them in your head, Michelle? Some in, some. some. <laughs> we, we could right. talk about that. I am a licensed professional clinical counselor after all, but. Uh, <laughs> But I think structure is, it, it makes this whole epic journey so much easier. If we create the structure up front, we sit down and we have a plan, it's so much easier to execute. Kind of like when you are cooking something new, there's a recipe, there's structure. Oh, here's what I need to, here are the ingredients I need, here's how much of these ingredients I need, and here's how to put it together. I'll use another, what if? What if you you wanna make cocoa vin or something? And I hand you all, all of the ingredients, go here are all the ingredients, and then make cocoa vin. And you have no idea how much of what you need and how to do it. Really sort of, it would not be surprising if you're not successful. True that. And so, when we create structure and we have a path to follow, it's actually so much easier. Those steps are so much easier to take. Hey, here's what I have to do. And some people's epic is really long. My epic journey to get licensed was seven years. I had to go to graduate school. I had to get 3000 hours of internship and doesn't necessarily take everyone that long. I, I was working in, you know, in a school setting. So in the summer, I was like, well, they're off and I wanna spend time with, with my family. So I'm not gonna do it. You, you could do it faster. I didn't, but it doesn't matter. I understood the journey I was on, but I didn't understand all the twists and turns that were gonna happen along the way. And that does happen. I don't think we ever really know what twists and turns are along the way. And I'm pretty sure COVID uh, exemplified that for everybody. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So who do you love to serve in Spartan? Who's your favorite kind of client? Um, well, I, I like, I, I like my favorite client is, is the company or the people who are, excited about creating change in their life, who have a dream and say, I, I want something better. Um, perhaps a company has managers and wants, the, the, they want their managers to be able to tap into all of the strengths that their team has. And, but how do you do that? How, how do you, have contagious enthusiasm to motivate your team? That is a great um, question. How do you have contagious? <laughs> well, I think, I think, first of all, you got to believe in what you're doing. And as you said, you got to enjoy what you're doing. Now, I, I worked in the corporate world for Fortune 100 companies, and they're big and they're tedious and stuff. But it doesn't have to be that way. Just because you know, just because it has been doesn't mean it needs to continue. And I think um, when we get to actually know 
what people's strengths are. And, I, uh, you know, I did many years ago, did the um, Strengths Finder, um, which was awesome. I learned so much about myself. I'm like, no, exactly. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and I actually went back and redid it again um, as I was writing my book, because I'm like, I, I'm interested. I couldn't find my results. I'm like, let me go take it again. That's the Clifton Strengths Finders, if you're looking for it. And um, it came back the same way. Didn't expect it to change much, but it was great. And I think that's a really great tool because then you, you can figure out how to, uh, who's good at what on your team. You and I were talking earlier about uh, having a team that, that is good at doing the things that you aren't so good at or don't really like doing, but they love doing. Kind of makes sense, right? You, you, you know, in our lives, we uh, bring our car to a mechanic because a mechanic knows how to fix your car. Right. You're not bringing your car to the florist and go, um, it's making a sound. Can you fix it? <laughs> Just grab a bunch of uh, trees and throw it up the muffler and go, hey, it's not making that sound anymore. <laughs> exactly. It smells like roses. I don't know what you're probably. That's awesome. I don't I, I don't smell that smell anymore. I smell roses. Exactly. That's awesome. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories. My Cinderella story. Well, um, you mean one of my client Cinderella stories or my Cinderella story or let's go with a client. A client. All right. Um well, um, it's perfect. Um, I had, I, I was doing my internship hours in a high school and I had someone who was doing, um, they weren't doing as well in school, but they, it wasn't a, for a lack of capacity. It was actually, uh, they were simply overwhelmed by all of the work that they had to do. And, and, and I said, I can help you. We're going to create structure for your homework. And what we did is I said, what are the classes you have? Now let's rank them in your least to most favorite. So we ranked that. I said, all right, what time do you, what time do you get back from school? We, we kind of mapped out the amount of time they had to do homework. I said, you got plenty of time here. We'll start off with the thing that you hate most when you have the most energy and you put it in your rear view mirror and we go towards the thing that's easiest. Now for this person, they really loved reading. So English, they had to read books. I was like, how do you feel when, when, when you read? I, it's, I love reading. It's, it's no problem. I'm like, so if you get to the end of the evening, the end of doing your homework and you have to read, how is that? Oh, that's, not, that's no problem. I really enjoy it. I go, exactly. So let's create that structure. And I said, now, what I want you to do, and I gave her a little timesheet. I said, write down, here's, here's your homework. I mean, I typed it up for her and I said, here, you know, was math was first. She, she really didn't like math. And we went down to English. And I said, I want, you to, I want you to estimate how much time you think it will take you to do each of these, these tasks. I want you to write down the time that you're starting and the time that you, 
you're stopping, when you um, take a break, set a timer on your phone, because your phones actually have timers for 15 minutes. Take a break. When it goes off, go back, do your work, do your thing. When you have a paper, she had like a big 10 page paper. I'm like, no problem. Write a page on Monday, a page on Tuesday, a page on Wednesday, you know, et cetera. Here's what happened, Michelle. She followed this. It was at first it was hard, but she followed it. She discovered that it wasn't nearly as hard as she thought. She actually had extra time. She got done this paper like two weeks before it was done so that versus like two minutes before it was due. So she had time to go back, have someone proofread it. The long and the short of it is she raised her grades significantly. Like I'm talking about she was getting like C's and D's and now she was at A's and B's. She was so much happier because we had created structure and she's like, Oh my gosh, she was a she was a, a junior. She goes, I wish I'd known this in sixth grade. But like right. <laughs> all these years that I was like just so I, I'd sit there and think, ah, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stuck because I don't know where to start. And I think that happens for so many people. They they have so stuff many. to do. And look, it happens to me. I have all these tasks I have to do, and I'm like, uh, what do I do? Here's a funny thing. We, we all talk about multitasking and stuff like that. And because I work at Intel and I know all about uh, uh, multi-core processors and stuff, I came up with the saying, I'm a single core mind living in a multi-core world. <laughs> True that. <laughs> I have not met the person yet who can do math with their left hand and write an English paper with their right hand. As much as we say we can multitask, the fact of the matter is we have to concentrate on doing one thing at a time in order to be able to be successful and get it done. Absolutely. I, and, and all I'm thinking is, oh my God, where were you when I was in university? Exactly. That alone would have been awesome. And I can't tell you, even in running a business, I kept staring at the wall going, okay, I am a business strategist. I know how to do these things. Why am I still staring at the wall? I know how to break it down. I'm like, oh my God, and, you would have come in so handy. And, and, and maybe, maybe you go, I, I need to make a schedule. I need to, I need to, here's where I'm working on email. Here's where I'm doing phone calls. Here's where, and I, I do that myself because there are so many things as an entrepreneur that I have to do myself. And if I don't have, a time, if I didn't set a time, it, it time seems to go away. All of a sudden it's noon and you think I got one thing done and I really wanted to get four things done. Um, well, which leads us into what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now? And they're thinking, oh my God, Xander, I need you so badly in my life. Well, I think, again, I think people, there's, there's when they think about their epic or creating an epic workplace or something, there are a lot of steps. And uh, one of the things that I've done in my life is I've run 10 halves, four full marathons in a 50K ultra. I don't run anymore, wow. but I did do that. And when I first, I had always dreamed of running a marathon, but let me tell you, 26.2 miles is a long way. It no is matter a long way. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, you drive 25 miles in your car, that's a long way. Never mind doing it on your feet. And on that point, I didn't realize how long 22 miles was until I was training for it. And then near the end, when you actually start training for 20 miles, it's like, okay, now I'm going to the other side of the city and then back to this. City. Absolutely. Out of room to, to go and do it. I've got six. So, so here's the thing. I joined, I joined team in training because I had no idea how I was going to do this. Uh, team in training, for those of you who don't know, is a fundraising arm of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, it's awesome. They taught me how to run a half marathon. Then they taught me how to run a full marathon. But what they gave me actually helped me rediscover my that I am structured boy. I like structure. So they handed me a training schedule. And it made the training so much easier, Michelle, because all I had to do is look and says, go run for 30 minutes. No problem. Mm -hmm. I'm done with that for the day. I get to move on to the other things in my, in my life. And then, I, and then I worry about what I have to do tomorrow morning. Okay, go do, you know, it's a rest day. Okay, then the next day, go, go run 17 miles. I'm not saying the 17 miles was easy. It wasn't in any way, shape or form. Um, and to be completely transparent and honest, I utilized a walk run strategy for all of my marathons. So I did not run the full and complete 26.2 miles or the 30.1 on the 50K. Um, however, um, it, I, I did cover those distances. I have, I have them. I was lucky enough to, uh, my younger sister uh, as a massage therapist from Boston uh, used to do work for Adidas and I, Adidas is a major sponsor of the Boston Marathon. I was lucky enough to get a bib, sponsor bib, to run the 2014 Boston Marathon, and I finished that. Yay, congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. I used the yes. dog sled method myself, uh, so I take my dog out, and she would pull me. <laughs> yes, awesome. exactly. The day of the marathon, I was like, oh, my God, where's my dog? <laughs> exactly. And, and, but, but going along with that marathon, mentally, Okay, uh, I kind of wish that you didn't have any of the mile signs until about mile five or so, because it is so demoralizing. No matter how much you say, I'm not going to look at it, you get to mile one and you're like, I got 25 more. Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> so awesome. the way that I the, the way that I got myself through these marathons um, was my first goal was 13.1, the half marathon. So I'm running just to make it to 13.1. My next one is 17 miles. Why? Because now I'm into single digits. Okay, I got this. Then it's mile 20. And now, Michelle, you only got, you only have a 10K left. All right, I came this far, I got this. And then you get to count down the miles and get really excited. And then you see that finish line. And you might not have, I know I've never been so grateful to see a finish line in my life. Um, oh my God, I get to stop moving. That's awesome. I, I, it reminds me of uh, when I did personal development courses and uh, one of the girls who was brand new, she's like, I can't imagine myself ever being able to do this stuff. 
And one of the girls that had been around for a couple of years were going through successes. And she goes, oh, yeah, and tomorrow I'm doing a marathon and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's just so nonchalant. It's like, well, but but I've done one before, so I know what it's like and I know I can do it. And I, I said, and that's the difference. When you start and you set your goals, you don't have a freaking clue how to do that thing that you set not. up. That's a whole point of a goal. If you knew how to do it, it wouldn't be a goal. It would be a task. But eventually, once you start accomplishing things and, and it becomes normal, then it that big goal actually becomes a task and you know how to do it because you've done it before and it becomes easy. And I think if I'm getting you right, the same thing happens with epicness. Absolutely. I mean, again, our epic goals are, it depends. Let's, let's take a common epic goal. Someone wants to travel someplace they haven't. Now, Michelle, do you have some country or someplace that you haven't been able to travel to, but you're like, I, oh my God, I want to go. Yes, absolutely. Vietnam. Gorgeous. Vietnam. Okay. So you sit there and go, I really want to go to Vietnam. Oh my gosh. It seems so daunting. How am I going to do that? Right. Again, create, create some structure for yourself. Okay. Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out how am I going to get to Vietnam? Now, I'm going to just guess that you're going to fly because uh, as romantic as taking a tramp steamer there, you probably don't have the time to do that. <laughs> I'm thinking airplane. <laughs> I'm thinking. And then, and then you're like, all right, about how much does it cost? And, you know, what are my options to get there? Uh, how long will it take me to get there? Um, then, then you may start to look at, well, where in Vietnam do I want to go? How, you know, the overall cost of it, then where do I want to go? What are things that I definitely want to see? What are things would be great to see if I could, uh, what's the right time of year to go? Um, my understanding that there's really just two seasons, there's hot and then really hot, but, right. <laughs> or humid and then like unbelievably humid. Hot. Um, I, I just had Robin Williams from Good Morning Vietnam pop into my head. You know, <laughs> there's just two kinds of weather: there's hot and wet, and then there's really hot and wet. Um. But yes, we so, want to break it down. We want to create a strategy. So I want to get into people that are listening right now are going like, "Are you a business coach? Are you a personal coach? Are you a goal setting coach? Are you?" Like how, what am I, what are my listeners listening to that they're thinking in, inside of themselves? You okay, can totally well, help me with this problem. Okay. Get rent off the list. If, if I, I absolutely, if, you know, people, people want a personal coach to help them, you know, make their plan and be accountable to someone. Absolutely. I do that. Uh, I, I'm also helping companies, you know, I, I want to go in and help um, create an epic environment for work because, uh, you know, it because it, it is possible, people. It, 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 it is possible. <laughs> and there's there's so much lost revenue, billions of dollars is lost because people just, they get tired. They're, they're, not, they're not as excited about work. And I'm not saying that you go skipping into work every single day, because we all know that, that there are days where it's, it's a little trudgy, it's not as good. Just like you were saying, there's the good days and the bad days and stuff. 
But if if more days you think, hey, this is a great place. This big company cares about me, cares about creating epic. I mean, you, we, we hear, we read about, we hear, see, read about these companies that are so fantastic to work for because so much fun and, and they do it. In, and I look at that and go, yeah, that's great. How are they doing that? And I think some of that has to do with creating this environment where people feel valued, they feel recognized. Um, praise is a wonderfully powerful tool. Yes, yes. Managers recognized even the small things that people do, it's amazing how much more people want to do when they get when, when they're recognized and they get some praise. Hey, that was a really good job, Michelle. I know how hard you worked on that report. Okay, I mean, I love praise. Right. It's great, it makes me feel good. Oh, okay, I did a good job. Sure, I, I, I wanna continue to do a good job. I, I like that, I, I want that, I want that caring. Nice, love that. So personal business, if you're not waking up and going, oh my God, my life is epic, you got to go and talk to Xander. That's the way it goes. So I know somebody, not somebody, I know my audience is dying to, they're not dying. Let me rephrase this. I know that there are people listening right they're now eager. that are very eager. They want to start their journey with you. So how do, they're going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? If they, if they just Google Xander Sprague, they'll find me. Now that's Xander with a Z. Z-A-N-D-E-R, and then my last name is Sprague, S-P-R-A-G-U-E. You can go to xandersprague.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. And, um, and Amazon, I'm assuming. And Amazon, I've got a book coming out February 9th. Yeah, awesome. Love and, it. So, and go and check out The Epic Begins with One Step forward is the name of the book. And of course, we'll have all of this in the show notes for you. Absolutely. So I have to ask you this before I let you go is at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Um, I think I, I, I kind of always knew it because I'm one of these really rare people who's what really gets me what really gives me the high is being in front of people and talking in front of people and i know like there's some statistic that like public speaking is like the number one fear that people have and for me it's my number one thrill the days i get to go speak in front of people are epically awesome days for me awesome. so i guess knowing that i really enjoyed being in front of, of people and getting that vibe and, and sharing information. Um, but I guess it was, you know, like sort of when was that moment? That moment was um, in the year 2000, I was in between, uh, you know, I lost yet another job to another dot-com failure. And uh, I, I went out and I, uh, I love my mom so much. Um, I've been her tech support for 30 years. I created a course to teach her how 
some basics of how to use her computer because I kept telling her to take a, take a course and she wasn't taking it. So, so I created <laughs> one for her. And then That's I spent, awesome. I spent like five years going around teaching people 50 plus how to use their computers. And I'm not talking about complex. I'm talking about how to open an attachment, how to, how to put an attachment on an email, how to turn your computer on. You know, what, what does this mean? No, that is not a drink holder. That's called a CD-ROM. Um, I came up with this. I, I had one client, I'm super quick story here. I had a client, I was helping her. I got her connected to the internet. She goes, show me the internet. I was like, well, what would you like to see? Mm, show, show, show me the internet. Now, in that moment, I had this realization that her perspective was, well, I've heard about it. Now, show it to me, because that's that was her perspective. And I had that moment of panic where I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to explain this? I can't say to her, well, the Internet is millions of interconnected computers sharing information. She's not going to get that. Okay, Now, younger people are like, oh, I get that. But I gave her, I summed up the internet in one sentence, Michelle, here it is. Think of the internet like the world's largest library. If you go into a library and say, what's good? The librarian's gonna say, what are you interested in? But if you go in and say, what is a good English murder mystery? Now they can help you. In that moment, that woman absolutely understood the internet. She got what I was saying and said, I'm interested in, it's funny you said Vietnam because she, her son lived in Vietnam. She goes, what's the weather in, in Ho Chi Minh City today? Okay, we can go do that. Like we had this sort of, what do you want to see? Well, show it to me. I'm like, I, I can't show it to you. It's like sort of this nebulous. It's like anything you ever wanted to know and a whole lot of stuff you never wanted to know is out there. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I could talk to you forever, for absolutely ever. But let's do this, peeps, because I know you're on timeline. We got to get you out of here. I appreciate your time immensely. Thank you so much for being here. Any last words for our peeps? Yes. I want to share two words that I think will dramatically boost everyone's success. Not yet. Have I come out with my book? Not yet. Am I speaking in front of a thousand people this afternoon? Not yet. Not yet is so powerful because if you just say no, it just ends the whole thing. But when we have epic dreams, not yet is so great. It look, it may some of our epic dreams may not happen. But that doesn't mean that we stop dreaming and we don't stop holding the possibility that it can happen for us. And I think all too often entrepreneurs and stuff, it's a yes or no and it's not. Not yet says I'm working on it, but I haven't quite, I haven't quite perfected that. Nice, I love that. Awesome, thank you so much again, Xander, for being here with us today. This is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. And I love being a resource for entrepreneurs. So please give this show a five-star rating and continue listening to the Business Ownership Podcast. We love having you here. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. 
As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.